Welcome to the City Beautiful Church podcast. Thank you for taking the time to join our family as we strive to live together in heavenly reality. For more great content, visit us online at citybeautiful.ch. Hey, everybody. Uh, good to see you. Um, you know, before we continue on um, with what we had planned for this Sunday, um, I wanted to come before you and just briefly talk about racism. There's been a couple incidents over the past week and a half um, that have really deeply shook our nation and have caused a lot of questions, a lot of confusion. There's so much pain uh, swirling around right now, and we just felt like it was really important for us to say something about this. Um, you know, you're probably familiar, but on February 23rd, a Ahmaud Arbery um, was shot and killed by two men who chased him down in a truck while he was jogging. Um, and his case has only more come to light in the past week and a half. Um, and then in March 13th, uh, Brianna Taylor was gunned down in her home by undercover cops who broke into their house without realizing it was the wrong one they had a warrant for, for an arrest that had already been made. Um, and she was accidentally shot and killed. And, um, you know, I, I've spent a lot of time this week just praying and wrestling with this and talking and processing with so many of you in that. And the, the question is always, you know, how do we respond, especially as the church, universal, but also a city, beautiful church? And I, that's just kind of what I wanted to share, what I felt like the Lord um, was saying to us in this time. Um, number one, you know, as the church, the people of God who are immersed in the story of God, we have been given this vision from God of what it looks like uh, for humanity when Jesus is made king. You know, we have these visions at the end of, of Revelation in scripture that talk about every nation, tribe, and tongue worshiping him, acknowledging him. We see time and again in the story of Jesus and in his disciples that they, they hold on to this truth that all of us, all humanity, we are his children. That's how we're defined. We're defined as being the beloved. And so the church becomes the place where we're attempting through guidance of the Holy Spirit to make that vision a reality. One of the, the passages the Lord has reminded me of a lot in this season is in 1 Timothy um, chapter 1, verse 7. Paul says just this little line of encouragement to his spiritual son. He says, for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. And you know, wrestling with these kinds of things locally in our community, but even on the national stage, it means that there's a lot of discomfort that comes from having to take an honest examination of where are we at in reality and where is the place that God is calling us to. But that kind of discomfort and the emotional toilet it can take, that's part of the inevitability of being in community with people who are not like us, of being in this new reality of God that's called the church. And I think change is painful and it's scary, um, but it's so worth it when we have the vision of where God wants us to go. And I think the church, the capital C church, has kind of this two-part mission. First of all, you know, we are to encourage and challenge the people of God where necessary in light of faithfulness to King Jesus. I think oftentimes in our society, we take this posture of exclusivity. Well, well, I'm not like that, or well, my church is not like that, or well, I'm not responsible for what those people do. But one of the things that I've been haunted by is this idea that we have been saved into a church that we did not choose, and that anybody who claims to be a follower of Jesus is now our family. 
and we don't disavow family. We don't say, well, that's got nothing to do with me or, or you know, City Beautiful, we're not like that. We have to own that. And that means a very few serious things. Number one, I think we should be horrified when anybody among God's people actively or passively participates in racism, whether that's personal racism or if it's systemic racism, that we have to recognize that God has given us an inherent value for human beings that we're working out in real time. Number two, we have to have this posture of repentance as the church for the sins of our household. And that's not just contemporarily, but that's historically. Um, think about in the story of Nehemiah and Ezra when Israel comes back to the land and Ezra reads them the Torah and they recognize, oh my goodness, for hundreds of years we've missed it. And the entire nation of Israel enters into confession and repentance for not just what they had done, but what their forefathers had done. And that actually sparks this tremendous revival within God's people. We have to own our history because it's our family. And thirdly, we co-suffer, we co-weep, and we co-rejoice with those within the household or who are experiencing pain and confusion in this. Um, because we recognize that we're the, the deepest bond that we have is in Christ more so than our race or our ethnicity. And our second responsibility is to the world, that our responsibility is also to broadcast the heart of King Jesus into the world, especially where we don't already see it on display. You know, when we're reading the news, um, our first thought should be, what is God's desire in this mess? What is, what is Jesus' heart here? And then how am I called to enter into that space with the heart of Jesus, not with prescriptions, not with my own coping mechanisms or whatever it might be that I use to protect myself, but tenderly with the heart of Jesus and to make it on display in places of brokenness. And this means practicing neighborliness, making it a local issue that it is about us. It's about our community. It's about the places that we live and that we work. It's about our family and our friends. You know, Jesus tells the story of um, the parable of the Good Samaritan when asks, someone asks him, who is my neighbor? And one of the things that we so often miss in that story is Jesus is using racial tension in order to break open this idea of who is my neighbor, who's my tribe, who are my people. And we have an opportunity to be able to cross those divides now. And I think that's so important that we think first like Christians. Because if we default to our preferred political or economic or philosophical worldviews before we appeal to the heart of Jesus, then that means that we've got some idols that we need to deal with because we're putting something above him and his desires for humanity. Racism is contrary to God's vision for us as a human family. And it's not just enough that we're denouncers of it, but we also have to be active advocates. My friend Shav was reminding us this week that we're called to be peacemakers, not peacekeepers and not even peace reposters. You know, I think the social media, media posting and conversation has to be the beginning of the work and not the summation of it. And if we think that that's all it takes in order to, to be active, then we've missed some really sweet opportunity. I think being active advocates means listening, genuinely listening, not listening for our things that make us feel a certain way, but genuinely listening to people who are having these kinds of experiences in their lives. And I'm reminded of that quote that listening and loving are so close that they're practically the same thing. Seeking active ways uh, to play a role 
doing the research, reading books, there's a lot of things online, asking other people for resources, um, looking at the practicality of what we have in terms of our vote and in terms of our money, of how we're looking to make a difference within the world as we see it today. And I think continuing to have this conversation within our community as well, and that's one thing that I want to commit to you today, that I want us to continue to do. Because the problems that are happening today and the feelings that we've been feeling over this past week are going to be the same in, in six weeks or in six months or maybe even in six years. And we can't just wait until there's continual tragedies before we decide that we're going to do something. And we're not going to be able to understand or fix this in an afternoon. That's not what I'm saying. I'm on this journey as much as any of the rest of us are to understand the heart of God and then to see humanity through God's eyes. But we need that vision from Him. We need, we need that song that we used to sing over a decade ago, break my heart for what breaks yours and allow God to lead the conversation. So I just want to pray really quick and then we're going to continue on. The elders have an amazing word for us when it comes to generosity. So Heavenly Father, we recognize that we are yours and yours alone. And God, you have created us to be in this moment in history for these kinds of, of reasons, these, these moments where there's tragedy, where there is brokenness, where there's pain. And you're asking us to stand in the gap, to advocate uh, for people who feel oppressed or marginalized, uh, to reveal your heart to the world and to call people to a higher way. And so God, teach us, show us, give us uh, creative ways uh, to move forward in the future that we can be part of the process of rescuing and redeeming all of humanity until we can participate in that final vision that every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And it's in his strong and blessed name that we pray all these things. Amen. Hey family, a quick note before we get to the message. So we've got an amazing panel of four of all our elders speaking, um, but one of the mics wasn't working. Um, so the audio is a little funny. So be aware, but enjoy. Good morning, City Beautiful Church. Um, we are here together for the first time in six weeks, which is really fun. We wish this room were full of people, but we're happy to be with you digitally. Uh, so I want to introduce, I'm your newest elder, um, and then we're going to introduce ourselves. My name is Kristen Blummel. And I am Jenna Wimmer. And I'm John Tompton. And Kristen Bader. So this morning, uh, we're here talking about generosity. We've been in this series of maturing um, this year, and so we talked about gathering together around the table um, and talking about the sacraments. And this week, uh, and then last week, sorry, we're t we talked about prayer. So this week, we're continuing that conversation of maturing in Christ in the context of generosity. So. Um, we are called to live radically generous in order to look more like Jesus. I'm going to start with a scripture, which is Acts 2, 42 and 47, and you should be able to find this on the side or grab your Bible. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So when we look at the early church, 
we're not intending uh, to replicate, um, but we're looking at the early church in Acts for inspiration. Um, one of the things that they did was they gave to the common pot, like they all threw everything in so that the money was evenly, or not evenly, but distributed according to need. Um, and they saw opportunities to regularly give and bless each other. Um, so today we're talking about what does generosity in the kingdom of God look like? So the question that I'm going to propose to you guys this morning. Um, so generosity looks radically different in the kingdom than it does in the surrounding culture. So that's what we're talking about. Um, what does radical kingdom generosity look like and what do we mean by generosity? So we'll start with John. Um, I think, I think it's, at first it's clear to have an understanding of what generosity just looks like in the world um, and in our culture. Um, and in general, I think our culture really highly values generosity. Um, people are made in God's image. People are, uh, so whether or not they acknowledge him um, doesn't necessarily mean they get rid of all those qualities of God. I think there are things of, of God's uh, character that are attractive to people, whether or not you follow God. And I think generosity is one of those things in our culture um, that is a pretty attractive thing. We see, we see television commercials all the time, you know, asking people to give to this organization or that organization, trying to um, fix things, uh, physical, meet physical needs or social justice issues or environmental issues. Um, I think uh, a major difference, though, in how the world sees generosity and uh, is, though, that the, gen the generosity that's presented by the world tends to be based out of fear, tends to be, uh, you know, if you don't give money to this environmental organization, the entire rainforest is going to be chopped down and every everything and everyone will be dead, you know. Yeah. Um, and I think another... Another thing is a lot of people will say, you know, give what you can, but really you don't want to make, put yourself in danger of being uh, financially unstable. Um, but, you know, be responsible, make sure you have enough for yourself, and give whatever is set aside. Um, I think that's what the culture tends to say. Um, but um, kingdom giving is very, very different. Um, kingdom giving is really um, done out of love, and it's done from a place of intimacy with Jesus. Um, knowing uh, Jesus really well and knowing his heart. Um, and it's also um, done from a place of these are not my resources. These are the things that you have blessed me with. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, here I'm going to do something out of faith. Um, it may seem crazy. I might not have enough to do this thing, but um, I'm going to listen to you, Lord, and give money to this person or this thing because you are compelling me to do it. So It's so true. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I think as we like start to think, like, what's our core identity, right? Our core identity is, is children of Christ. And mm -hmm. our goal in this earth is to get to know him more, be, you know, uh, mm -hmm. and help people get to know him more as well. So I think if we take on that identity, as, which is, you know, what we're trying to do here, um, modeling the uh, the church, the um, mm -hmm. church in Acts, I think we tend to start to feel and we start to realize that everything we have, everything we, we possess, everything that is at our disposal is the Lord's, ultimately. Mm -hmm. And so God calls us from just a, 
a place of being a good giver to being someone who um, is giving with everything in them. You know, I think about the passage in Matthew when he's mm -hmm. talking about um, denying myself, laying down my, you know, picking up my cross, yeah. following him, yeah. yeah. not, <laughs> not laying it down. Um, unless he tells you to. Um, no, uh, picking up my cross and following him. This is a part of that, I think. Yeah. Like having a, a life that permeates generosity, not just a part of your life that you give um, that is convenient or maybe mm -hmm. even a little un inconvenient. Like this is just something that we do with our money, with our time, with everything that we've been given from the Lord. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think our com society talks about money as a zero sum balance, meaning that if I have it, you don't have it and vice versa. And even really how we use money is that like balance thing. So mm -hmm. I, I heard this philosophy most when uh, from Andy Crouch's book talking about power but he used this example of a music lesson if you are pay or you are giving me a music lesson I am paying you money and you now have that money and I don't that's a zero-sum transaction the money has changed hands mm -hmm. but the power and the creativity in that hasn't changed hands and I think that's how God thinks about money in a generous term by you giving me the skills to be a musician, I have now gained something else. And you're also practicing your skills as a teacher and your skills as learning how to teach. And so together we have created something more. And now we have a positive sum transaction. I think that's how God has called us and examples of generosity. It's, it's outside of what our culture can actually do. It's outside of what money can do, but God's got this way of making it bigger. Mm -hmm. And it, yeah. what came to mind in a passage that I had thought about a lot, um, just because I, I struggle with this. I look at people and think, you have more than me and I want more. Or I look at someone else and go, <laughs> I, I don't, I'm not ready to give that. And so I was looking at the parable of the workers. They go out in the morning and they agree to work for a day's worth for a denarius. And then, you know, they get the noon people and the three o'clock people and he pays them first and the people in the afternoon get a denarius. And so when the people start at 9 a.m. get a denarius, they're kind of upset. And so we look at this passage in Matthew 20 and the fields, the owner is answering and he's showing us how God's heart is. But he answered one of them, look friend, I'm not being unfair with you. Didn't you agree to work today for a denarius? Now take your pay and go. I have chosen to give the last worker as much as I am giving you. Haven't I the right to do what I want with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? God's a generous God. And how dare us to like even question that. Mm -hmm. But sometimes I do. So how do we handle that? How do we mm -hmm. live into the heart of God and move forward? Yeah, I love all these thoughts that it's really about everything. Everything is the Lord's. He is like the, the landlord in this story. It's all his. How silly of us to ever <laughs> think like, oh, I'm going to hang on to this no. when it's all his. Yeah, I experienced that one year. Um, Kay Green, as we know, we miss her dearly. Mm -hmm. um, one uh, in like 2016, um, uh, one day she just came up to me and she said, Jenna, the Lord said that I, I'm supposed to give you my ticket to the Sia concert. Well, I'm a massive fan of Sia, and I did not have the income to buy a ticket at that time, and really wanted to go, but knew I couldn't. I'm really sad about it. She had no idea. Um, and my brother had, had been killed in 2015, and I was in a not a great place. Then in 2000, then a couple months after that, the Pulse shooting happened. 
excitement, right? And I was a mess. Um, and one song from Sia, I'm Alive, was what like kind of like kept pushing me like every day to be like, I am alive and there is a reason for me to keep going. And mm -hmm. Kay didn't know any of this. Um, so I go to the concert and not only does it spark my wonderful relationship with Alex V, because she was the other person that was going with Kay, um, but also the Lord, I wept through most of the songs and um, the Lord just spoke so much peace into my life and that he was with me and out of her out of the box generosity of giving me a ticket that she really wanted to go to spend a lot of money on mm -hmm. um, yeah my life was forever changed as a marker of like what the Lord saw in me and wanted to speak into me and give me that opportunity it was beautiful it's it's so true that when we're willing to listen to the Lord with these crazy things like give someone yeah. your concert ticket he shows up and changes something that they're dealing with that we have no idea how much it's going to minister to them. Um, but obedience to the Lord is like, we're going on to this point next, which is number two. Uh, we're called to obedience, obedience, which flows out of intimacy with God. And it, it's that. It's exactly that. Um, walking into whatever the Lord says, even if it doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. yeah. I, yeah. And I think that starts with knowing who God is and who, believing who he is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, so the next question then is how do I figure out how to practice generosity? Mm -hmm. I think we practice generosity. Yeah, did you have a thought? No? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> she lays her hand. Um, Holy Spirit's moving. I uh, know. Um, yeah, I think we practice generosity when we start to believe and know who God is. Yeah. Um, if we believe when, when the scripture says he's going to take care of us, yes. that he is going to provide for our needs, then it's easier mm -hmm. for us to practice this sort of thing. Um, and there's many different levels of intimacy with God, right? Mm -hmm. So um, it's not like you have to be yep. at a certain level in order to be generous or be called to these things. It can be at whatever place that God has you at. Um, mm -hmm. He's going to call you to generosity. Um, in with whatever you have and whatever place you have. Like, Kay had no idea what was going on in me, but she was listening to the Lord. So I think it's a cycle, right? We learn about Jesus at whatever stage we're at. He calls us to be generous. We, we, we go for it. We obey him. Mm -hmm. um, and then in that obedience, we see a deeper part of God. Oh, he does care for us. He does want <laughs> yeah. you know. And, and so we're more apt to do it once again. It's a cycle of, of getting deeper and deeper into the heart of God and losing ourselves in the midst of it to for his gain and his glory mm -hmm. yeah that really is faith right right yeah mm -hmm. yeah and i i mean he talks about not being able to serve two masters so there's this level of when what, what happens when we are serving two masters and mm -hmm. how do you fight generosity in that and i had a season in my life where i i mean I was getting comfortable with the money that was in my life. It was becoming this thing that um, became an idol. And I had a, a desire to purchase this thing that honestly I had the money to do, but I have grown up in a frugal family, so it's always about finding the deal. Yeah. So every day when I woke up and every night before I went to bed, I'm searching the internet looking for a deal for this thing. And it's one of those items that really doesn't have deals. And uh, like finally a little voice is saying to me, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. You don't need to look for this deal, and this is all you're thinking about. It's distracting mm -hmm. you. And uh, 
yeah, it was really pretty convicting because clearly I could have just purchased it. And it stepped, it was right before Lent and it was like, okay, this is the idol you're asking me to give up this season. And it's not a give up, it's a press in. And God calls me to give everything I spent for that 40 days. So my rent money was doubled and given to someone else. And my money that I went to a restaurant, I tipped 100% to that waitress. And I, I mean, I definitely spent money different that way. I was definitely still very focused on money, but I was also super focused on Jesus. And like, what do I get to do? And it was really fun to think about, what am I gonna do with this chunk of money that I always spend? And now I want to give as well and to like, randomly write checks to people that weren't near me or to um, give to the church or to give to missionaries. And yeah, I mean, I think I really enjoyed the, I didn't go out to eat as much. And, but when I did, I was like this, this, like there are waitresses in my head that I know I gave a hundred percent check to and, or tip to and like how that meant to mm -hmm. them. And yeah, it's something that changed me. And it wasn't about me. It was about being able to honor what God was calling me to, to let go of the places where I had made an idol and to yeah, step out in obedience and see crazy things happen. Mm -hmm. Your story is making me like think about what I've been searching on the internet for deals, and it's terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. a really fun challenge, though. Yeah. It is like to really ask the Lord the things that I have. Am I spending the money the way that you would have me spend it, mm -hmm. or should I be giving? some of this away. And I got to yeah. the end of those 40 days and bought that thing I was looking for. And it would have been way nice. cheaper to not have looked for the deals and just have bought the thing. Yeah. But it was about what God needed to do with me. Yeah. 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 I love yeah. that. Mm -hmm. Did you have anything else you wanted to add? Yeah, I think that, that was like, thing, like sometimes I think God can call us to be generous to people that we have no clue who they are. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think a lot of the times, as we get to know the Father more, right, uh, and we're doing our cycle, mm -hmm. um, and we get to hear stories of our friends and or strangers more, when we hear people's stories, we can see where the Spirit is moving in their mm -hmm. lives, and that gives us a, an area to be generous as well. Yep. Um, not just, sometimes it is like give to this organization, you know, Ryan had an example of one time, one year God called him to give to every single person downtown that asked for it, mm -hmm. um, and it like, you know brought him to a different place, but um, and those are like people you don't know, but sometimes it's like I gotta know people in order to know like how to sew into them and, yep. or, or, you know, what God could be up to and, that, and bring me along in that um, when we were moving back from Chicago uh, mm -hmm. well, we didn't know we were moving yet but uh, the church that we were with was doing like a massive campaign um, raising money for just like inner city work just beautiful cool stuff that they were doing where the church was at um, of course we're going to come alongside of that massive part of Steve and I's heart so mm -hmm. we gave we gave pretty generously um, and it was a little bit scary uh, I just had packs we had like an $11,000 bill from the NICU thank you American insurance and um, <laughs> you know we, were, we, might, we might be moving which you know how much that costs across country um, we weren't sure and so we just gave anyways and uh, you know a couple months later decided to move and oh boy could I have used that money um, now and um, yeah so we got back here and I'll be darned if the first week we're back here at this church some uh, a family here gave us a check out of the blue for the exact same amount that we gave in Chicago I mean that's like nuts right yeah. like and the God doesn't always promise is going to give the same amount mm. to you but he promises like I'm going to provide for you yes. like yep. listen to me I, he knows what's up. He knows mm -hmm. better than us where our resources could be going. And it is mm -hmm. yeah, it's so special to get to be a part of it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 
That's a really cool story. It is. You have forever. I know. These are great stories. <laughs> yep. yep. I love that. And I love what you said about giving out of people that you know because I yeah. think sometimes I'm always afraid that God's going to be like do this thing but I actually love caring for my friends mm -hmm. and if I can be generous in that yep. place and honor God yeah. and my friends and my you know like yes. it's a fun cycle there yeah yeah it shows the importance of being intimately have intimate knowledge of the community that you're in and your yes. friends rather than just the Lord as well so yeah very much which I actually see our community doing when we yeah. have our benevolence giving and we mm -hmm. raise all that money in one week and the way we get to give into those that are in yep. crazy situations right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. These are such good thoughts. So our third point, when we practice consistent rhythms of giving as a foundation for generous living, we are better prepared for the spontaneous opportunities to give that God may present to us. Mm -hmm. So the question, um, the question is, what are some practices that we can implement now to become more generous? We're talking about all of these ideas and having cool stories, yeah. but maybe some of us mm -hmm. that are watching are thinking like, Okay, those are crazy stories. Where mm -hmm. do I start? So, yeah. thoughts. I think one thing we talked about, which honestly I'm not that great about, but I love this idea, is just pray for a heart of generosity mm -hmm. with your time and your resources. And that is something we've all, we talked about as we were preparing for this. Mm -hmm. A lot of us aren't in a place where financially we can give, but that doesn't mean that's the only thing mm -hmm. you can give. We have time. Maybe some of you have lost a job and don't have any money right now, but actually have some time. What does it look like for you to give your time? I think, Kristen, you had a story of that. Yeah, mm -hmm. so I graduated college in 2009 when our economy not as bad as it is right now but it was bad <laughs> so it took a while to find a post-college job I, I had like a college job but it, I did not make enough because it was like tip based uh, so people weren't tipping as much when the economy was bad and I was asking the Lord I want to be generous I want to live this life that you're calling me to I don't have the money mm -hmm. to do that but what I do have right now is time so what I felt like the Lord challenged me in that season was to give one day of the week um, to volunteer for different things. So I helped, uh, now I'm on staff with YWAM Orlando, but at that time I wasn't, and I went and helped them develop a campus. So I knocked down old walls and hauled trash out and helped cut paths and things I have no skill in. But I gave my time because that was what I had in, in that season of season of life and maybe some of us again are in a different season where maybe our bank account is a little lower than what we're used to i would just challenge you to ask the lord what are the resources that i do have and how can i give those to you um, in a way that furthers the kingdom mm -hmm. yeah. yeah and i i think uh, there are plenty of opportunities out there to be generous mm -hmm. and the lord does provide them just kind of what we said at the beginning um, when I when we talked about when we were approached with talking about generosity, um, a passage in the book of Leviticus popped into my head that I had read several years ago. As happens to everybody, right? Does that, <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> um, so a few years ago, I was reading through the Old Testament and I was reading through Levit Leviticus, and this passage really struck me. And it's it's about twenty verses. I'm going to read it. It's from Leviticus chapter fourteen. Uh, verses 33 through uh, 53. And I'm just going to go ahead and read through it, um, and then I'll talk about why it stuck out to me um, and how it kind of pertains to generosity. So the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, 
when you enter the land of Canaan, which I am giving you as your possession, and I put a spreading mildew in a house to that, in that land, the owner of the house must go and tell the priest, I have seen something that looks like mildew in my house. The priest is to order the house to be emptied before he goes in to examine the mildew so that nothing in the house will be pronounced unclean. After this, the priest is to go in and inspect the house. He is to examine the mildew on the walls, and if it has greenish or reddish depressions that appear to be deeper than the surface of the wall, the priest shall go out the doorway of the house and close it up for seven days. On the seventh day, the priest shall return to inspect the house. If the mildew has spread on the walls, he is to order that the contaminated stones be torn out and thrown into an unclean place outside the town. He must have all the inside walls of the house scraped and the material that is scraped off dumped into an unclean place outside the town. Then they are to take other stones to replace these and take new clay and plaster the house. If the mildew reappears in the house after the stones have been torn out and the house scraped and plastered, the priest is to go and examine it, and if the mildew has spread in the house, it is a destructive mildew. The house is unclean. It must be torn down, its stones, timbers, and all the plaster, and taken out of the town to an unclean place. Anyone who goes into the house while it is while it is closed up, will be unclean till evening. Anyone who sleeps or eats in the house must wash his clothes. But if the priest comes to examine it and the mildew has not spread after the house has been plastered, he shall pronounce the house clean because the mildew is gone. To purify the house, he is to take two birds and some cedar wood, scarlet yarn, and hyssop. He shall kill one of the birds over fresh water in a clay pot. Then he is to take the cedar wood, the hyssop, the scarlet yarn and the live bird, dip them into the blood of the dead bird and the fresh water, and sprinkle the house several, seven times. He shall purify the house with the bird's blood, the fresh water, the live bird, the cedar wood, the hyssop, and the scarlet yarn. Then he is to release the live bird in the open fields outside the town. In this way, he will make atonement for the house, and it will be clean. And everyone floor with mildew is This is the word of the Lord, everybody. All right. Okay. And the generosity. Yes. Yes. Is the generosity point. So, um, a couple things. When I first read this part, um, a couple things really stuck out to me. The first one uh, was way back in near the beginning of the passage, was verse 34. Um, when you enter the land of Canaan, which I am giving you as your possession, and I put a spreading mildew in a house in that land. So it does not say when the the weather's chilly and it gets damp and some mildew appears. It doesn't say when, you know, when that, when that jerk Satan puts some mildew in your house, like the Lord says, no, when I put a mildew in your house, um, this is how you're going to address it. Um, and then the part that st sticks out to me most is really almost what it doesn't say. Um, so it goes through and it explains all these regulations of what the person in the house must do in order to have the house be clean. Um, but it does never say, like, don't help this person, okay? And I'll show you that in the verses here. So if you look at verse 36, um, the house has to be emptied um, in order so the stuff in the house is not 
proclaimed unclean. Um, it does not say that no one can help this person. That's a big task to get rid of all, all take all of your cooking stuff, all your bedding, all your clothing, everything. I mean, granted, people probably had less than we have now in our houses, but still, I would think that like an Israelite be like, hey, can I help you do that? Can I help you take that out of your house? Um, and then when it goes on to the priest pronouncing the house, um, oh, goodness, there's a mildew. We got to close this thing up for seven days, all right? Um, that's uh, verses 38. It doesn't say that that family who lives in that house has to be homeless. It doesn't say, and then the, they shall live in the street and be destitute for seven days while they wait for the house. No, no, no. I'm hoping some Israelites said, you know what? Wow, I, that's a really cool family. I love those people. Hey, can you come? I've got an extra room here. I've got space here in my house for you guys to come chill for seven days. Um, we would, while this is happening to your house. Um, and then when it comes to the actually fixing the mildew, the removing of the stones, the scraping of the plaster, that's a lot of physical labor for one family, especially maybe they've got kids, maybe there's a lot going on, um, maybe they don't have, they're not, don't have any other stones nearby, maybe they don't have the resources, neighbors can come by and be like, hey, let me help you take those stones out, let me help you scrape that off so you don't have to do it yourself. Um, and then, and then taking down the whole house, that's even more labor, you know? Like, I don't want to take down a house by myself, um, and I would hope my Israelite neighbors would be like, oh my goodness, I, why don't you do that? Uh, I can help you do that. Now, uh, verses 46 uh, through 47, which I think are interesting. I'm going to remind us of them again. Anyone who goes into the house while it is closed up will be unclean till evening. Anyone who sleeps or eats in the house must wash his clothes. But it does not say, do not go in the house. It doesn't say that. Um, it says you will be unclean. So um, I think the whole concept of, of cleanliness and wanting to be in clean standing before the Lord was an important one to the Israelites. But I, I'm assuming, I'm hoping, that some Israelite was like, you know what? I will be unclean for you. I will come in and help my brothers and sisters and get rid of my clean standing before the Lord until evening in order to help you through this trial that you're going through with your house. Um, so to, just to be generous with your standing, not just your time and your labor and your resources that you could potentially help this family out, but with your standing before the Lord, your status, kind of, to be... Like in front of other people. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm just I, making yourself a little bit uncomfortable and a little bit it, um, you know, it, it would be tarnish you a little bit. And, and that being generous does like not just, um, not just giving money, but you know, when you're, when you're volunteering for a house build or something like that, you get dirty, you could get hurt, you get splinters, you know, um, it could be inconvenient. Um, you might, there might be something else you want to do with that time, but no, you're, you're sacrificing your time to be able to help with things like that. So that's really kind of what, why this passage, I think why it stuck out to me and why it, when we talked about this generosity, it bubbled up in me again. So Something that I love about this is actually, it doesn't matter in my experience, I don't know if you guys would agree, it doesn't matter where I am in scripture, whether it's Leviticus or Psalms yeah. or whatever, whatever we're facing or whatever topic the Lord is teaching us right now, He uses wherever we're reading in scripture mm -hmm. to bring it to life for us. Yeah. So I love that the Lord's teaching you about generosity <laughs> through Leviticus. So. It's crazy. Yeah. So another thing that we wanted to talk about um, when we talk about generosity, there's this whole thing of shame that comes up. So you had a great just story about that. So, yeah, I, I think generosity can, or shame can come up with a few ways when you're talking about generosity. 
Um, I feel like um, there can be shame, like, oh, I'm not giving enough money. I feel, you know, um, I, I'm not a good I'm not a good follower of Christ because I'm not giving enough, you know. Um, and there can also be shame, like, oh no, I I actually need some help. Um, and being at the receiving end of generosity, I think there can be sh some shame associated with that as well. Um, but uh, we really, when I, when we heard, our kids were really, really small. I have two children. And when they were really small, you know, we were... You know, involved with the church, helping out as much as we could, um, and leading a small group a lot. But when we had those kids, when they were really small, we just exhausted all the time with home life. Like when when our son was first born, we barely got to church. Like we were just kind of figuring out what it's like to take a kid back and forth to church and feeding a kid at church. Um, and so, but there was some shame associated with that. Mm -hmm. Shame, like we are not giving as much time as we could be, as much time as we should be. There was some guilt. There was some self condemnation about that for sure. Um, um, and I just remember uh, one night I was washing dishes. I was washing bottles like I did a bajillion times, you know, and like my life is washing bottles. Like this, how does this please me the Lord? How is this? And I just remembered like from inside just feeling like I see you and it's okay. Like I felt this like holy peace come over me. Like this is okay. This is where you are right now. And that's okay. There is no shame. Bring that shame off of yourself. Yeah. Um, and it was pretty incredible. I almost started crying <laughs> washing bottles. Like, and I had done that many times. So, that's a, a great story addressing shame. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Mm -hmm. um, so, we wanted to talk a little bit about the self discipline of regular giving and how to keep it. Jenna, you have some thoughts. Yeah, mm -hmm. I have thoughts. Um, <laughs> we should be giving, right? We should yeah. be supporting yeah. our church. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, there's and, and a different spectrum. So there's the Old Testament, right, that's telling us give 10%. And then mm -hmm. there's the New Testament where God is, like, establishing his new covenant with us, yes. um, which it, it actually some people can use it as an excuse to get out of the 10%, but actually it's more of an expansion and asking a little bit more mm -hmm. of you um, in, in gener being generous with your entire life, um, which could be more or less. So, I mean, I just want to encourage, you know, mm -hmm. people to really start thinking about um, if you support the church, how much are you supporting, if not, and, you know, that's 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 between you and the Lord. I know some people who give their 10% and then they give more from that. Um, some people give 7% to the church and then 7% to missionaries. We're in Central Florida, so we have a bazillion missionaries with mm -hmm. university and um, Wycliffe and all, all these different things. Um, so, yeah, so so I, I, I say, like, we, we should be supporting our church as a monthly or weekly discipline in our lives. Um, and why? Well, number one, we want to keep our staff. Um, that's pretty mm -hmm. basic. Um, and we want to continue to sow into each other's lives in the uh -huh. ministries that we're doing and being a part of. Um, you know, this, this community costs money to do. And it is, the tithing is we don't do other fundraisers like the tithing is what runs this mm -hmm. um, and also because by giving financially to the church we are joining God's movement um, through the world and in the place where he's put us right now mm -hmm. um, and by consistently giving I think the consistency allows a, of a place for us to continue to release the fear, right? Mm -hmm. When we're consistently given, we're okay. Um, and our greatest fear is that we're not going to be okay. Like no one's going to take care of us. And we mm -hmm. realize that, oh, God is taking care of us. It just it just brings more freedom into our lives and more dependence upon the Lord, um, which is the goal, mm -hmm. right? Um, so, 
he knows. He, he talks a lot about money. Um, we see a lot of people walk away from him in the in the Bible, in instances, and he's calling people to give up everything because he knows it's like what we want to, it's what we idolize, it's the materialism. It's like what our hearts go after. He knows that that's the thing that's stopping us from getting to know him more, and he wants us to be closer with him. Um, so it's actually kindness in him that's leading us into this lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a quote by C.S. Lewis um, that that changed my life. My husband, uh, early on in our marriage, when I wasn't a great giver, um, you know, brought this before us and completely wrecked my, my life. Um, and here it is. Do not believe one can settle how much we ought to give. I am afraid the only safe rule is to give more than we can spare. In other words, if our expenditure on comforts, luxuries, amusements, etc. is up to the standard common among those with the same income as ours, we are probably giving away too little. If our charities do not at all pinch or hamper us, I should say they are too small. There ought to be things we should like to do and cannot do because our charitable expenditures exclude them. Bam. If you're you're (laughs) giving and it's not hurting you, right, then it's probably not giving enough is Mm -hmm. the idea here. And, um, yeah, so I I would just encourage you, go back. And, and, you know, this is really challenging for me. I need to go back over the numbers. Things shift in six to 12 months about our incomes. Um, What what, what does it look like for us to Mm. not be punking out on this and making excuses, but to really get serious with the Lord in this part of our lives? Mm -hmm. I think we talked about this in the beginning, but I think this is one of those places where this is different from the world. Mm -hmm. The world says give until it's comfortable. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is calling us to give beyond that yeah. because mm-hmm. he loves us, because yeah. he sees better for us, and because yep. he does have a different economy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so much of it is really coming down to obedience. What is the Lord asking of you in this season? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so one story I wanted to share about this. Um, when I was 18, I was driving a, a famous speaker author to the airport, um, and we just were talking on the way. And she shared with me this principle that I've thought about for since I was 18. And that it's um, whatever it is that you're lacking in your life, whether it's you feel like you don't have enough time or you don't have the friendships that you want or you don't have the money that you want. Mm. uh, She challenged me to sow those things back to the Lord and trust him that he would uh, give back to me whatever it was that I was giving to him. And I've found that to be true, that when I'm lacking friendship, if I go out of my way to befriend someone who I wouldn't normally choose, or if I'm lacking time to give my time to the Lord, if I am lacking money to give money to the Lord, he ends up bringing back to me more than I could even give to him. It's all his in the first place anyway. (laughs) So it's still like a funny thing to think about, but Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Um, so how do we get practical from here? That's where we're going next. Um, so what's the practical, practical challenge for our community? Um, well, just to give you guys a little bit of a background with where our community is at financially, um, first of all, maybe it is easy for some of you um, just to give community without really considering much like the numbers or or the actual details, but some of you really do want that. So just in the spirit of that, we're kind of sharing this here. So um, we're on a fairly uh, bare bones budget <laughs> in our community. Um, rent is uh, here at the building we, we enjoy and we use 
venues that we worship in is um, increasing um, as we get as we're here longer. Um, our wonderful staff, who we cherish and we love, they haven't had a raise in like three years. Um, that's something we would like to see happen for sure. Mm -hmm. um, and we'd really would like to see our ministries have larger operating budgets. Um, we'd like to be able to uh, dream for big things and really see some exciting things happen with them. Um, but we find, you know, time and time again that finances are kind of our, oh, we can't have that happen right now. And we don't really want to be in a place where we feel constricted by that. Um, and so um, this is part of the reason why we're bringing this before you today, is just to let you know, um, you know, yes, um, of course, we want to pray for big things. We want to pray for God's intervention, um, but a lot of His intervention is through finances, um, and that's it's not that doesn't mean it's any less supernatural or any less you know powerful. Um, the lights need to be on. Um, you guys enjoy coffee in the lobby. Um, air, the AC here in Florida, we need that. Um, we would love to see our staff thrive and be able to do things for their families um, and have financial freedom. So, um, so yeah. Uh, coming along we'd like you guys to come alongside and be a part of that mm -hmm. yeah and I think even on that same idea is like think of um, a ministry that you're a part of in the church mm -hmm. um, and or pray through like what what is the vision that you have mm -hmm. for this ministry um, whatever it is and, and, and ask the Lord to give you that vision for that and how mm -hmm. you can financially um, in, or, or give your time alongside of that mm -hmm. um, you know I really want my pastor to be healthy and so I want him to be able to go on retreats mm -hmm. without having Having to worry that it's all coming out of his pocket, right? So, mm -hmm. what, what would it look like to give for it, you know, with that in mind? Or, I would love Brandy to have a lot more income than she does right now to serve our kids. And mm -hmm. what, 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 she, what could she dream of? And I let her dream, and then I fund her dream. Mm -hmm. um, how does God want you to play a part in these things? Maybe it's vision casting. Maybe it's calling friends into a place with you who have the same, uh, you know, love for things. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's really giving big. Maybe it's really stretching you for a while. Let's just see what the Lord does, you know, as I um, get obedient in these types of things. So, yeah, I think those are some pretty practical things. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, with these practical challenges, I think from here, unless you had any other thoughts, um, just real specifically, there's the information on how to give right to the left of the screen, I think. Uh, so, you can text to give, um, or you can go on to the website, uh, citybeautiful.ch backslash give, um, and do your giving there, but what we want to do right now is just give you an opportunity. You've heard fun stories of each of us taking time to ask the Lord, how how do we operate in generosity like you have designed the church to do, and how do you want us to participate? So I want everyone to have their own stories of God's faithfulness. Mm -hmm. So we're just going to take a minute to sit with the Lord and ask the Lord. The question is, how do you want me to be generous in this season of my life? So yeah, Lord, I ask that right now, as people are watching on their laptops and iPads and phones and TVs in their living rooms, Lord, that you would speak. Father, I thank you that wherever two or three are gathered, you're with us and that you're speaking to us. Lord, I ask that you would speak very clearly right now how you want people to participate in generosity in this season of life.
Father, we're so thankful that you have designed your heart in a way that we can be a part of what you're doing, but also get to know you at the same time. God, it's so different from what we're, we're taught all around us, Jesus, and we really do want to know you. So we pray that you would speak to us. We pray that you would give us your vision for the church, your vision for our community, how you want us to sow what we have. God, would you stretch us and continue to take the things out of our lives that are stopping us from getting to know your heart. Jesus, and I pray against the shame that we could hear in this time, against the accusing voices, God, that are not of you. Lord, would we be able to hear your kind uh, voice calling us to your heart, God, in this that you would protect us in this time, that you would protect our finances, and you would protect the things against what the devil would want to do, Lord, that you mm -hmm. would be completely a part of who we are, and your goal and your kingdom would be our goal. Father, we're so grateful for what you've given us, and we want to give it back. Lord, would you break in us the, star, the part of us that wants to keep it? Um, would you continue to release us out of fear and into your freedom? We're so grateful for you. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being with us this week. Um, we hope you have a wonderful week. This has been the City Beautiful Church podcast. To stay connected, follow us on social everywhere at City Beautiful CH. We hope you join us again soon.